When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, y'all. This is Marcus King, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast Pantheon Podcast network. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, so this episode, um, I'm going to call Southern Rot. Uh, episode 71, Southern Rot. So this is um, this is an interesting sort of debate and concept um, I talk with my buddies uh, quite a bit about. Um, this idea of um, ridiculing these Southern bands uh, for the egregious sort of commercialism that they fell into almost over and above other 70s hard rock bands or prog bands or whatever um in terms of being uh becoming very uh commercial in the early 80s really trying for a hit like like more shamelessly than almost any other genre of music i mean i've obviously i've i've written some rush books and i've i've been pretty hard on rush in the 80s and i know i've been hard on uh the likes of heart in the 80s as well um cheap trick even to some extent but nobody does it like a southern rock band and i i always wonder um you know, we always debate why this happens. Uh, some somehow, I think it might have something to do with this. Um, well, okay. For example, we'll get to our first selection, but the first selection is by ZZ Top. And um, now, whether or not they're a Southern rock band is always up for debate. Um, I did a book called Southern Rock Review that's long, long out of print. It's basically a reviews book of 400 Southern rock uh, albums, and I included ZZ Top in there. I love ZZ Top. You know, ZZ Top is is a questionable one. Nit Zinger also from Texas, uh, Point Blank, also from Texas. Do you include these bands? Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, anyways, um, I worked on the ZZ Top movie with Banger Films as well. And, uh, and you know, one of the narratives in there was this idea of being fed up with being put down by the Northern press, uh, press out of, say, San Francisco or press out of New York City or even press out of Detroit with Cream Magazine. Um, so Southern rock bands always had this sort of... Uh, 
you know, I don't know if you'd ever you go so far as to call it an inferiority complex, but they were they were pretty fed up with being treated as country hicks and kind of ghettoized into this um, this box of you are a southern rock band and you have certain rules that you have to live by uh, if you are a southern rock band. And they didn't want to be called that because obviously they wanted success across all of America and beyond. Um, Interestingly, I'm not sure why this is, but France loves Southern Rock. Um, Southern Rock's a big thing over there. Uh, Germany, France, a uh, little bit in England as well. Uh, and some of this, I think, has to do with the with the mystique of the other. You know, this is this is a far away, a very, very, very American thing. Um, and you know, that's probably why me here in Canada, um, you know, quite likes it as well too. It's something very different from from a Canadian. Um, narrative i suppose um but yeah so so this episode is going to look at uh different ways some of these bands um went really really commercial and ticked off a lot of people um basically um okay so let's let's go with our first selection and we'll discuss i like i say all these have sort of different uh levels of success at doing this and what i did is i put these in these five in reverse order of um of how much i uh i thought uh the crime was egregious i suppose so anyways take a listen to our first selection this is zz top with i got the message All right, so the deal with ZZ Top, obviously. Now, now you know many of you maybe know this already, but you know when people ask me what what my favorite band of all time is, ZZ Top comes to mind. ZZ Top and ACDC probably I voice the most. Um, so I love this band. Um, but yeah, obviously they went through uh, this massive, massive change between El Loco through to Eliminator, where um, it got kind of synthy, but but more like. Um, more like like rigid electronic drums and and snap to a grid snap to a click track um but there were a lot of guitars too this is the funny thing about eliminator uh in a way it was their heaviest album to date uh because it was basically guitars all the way through um it's got some heavy songs like we we had a band in the 80s called torque and we uh we played um uh, I got the six and bad girl. Like we were, we, you know, we were, we were angry metal heads. So we, we re- only played the two heaviest songs off this, this album, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but it was a pretty heavy album. Now the song I just played for you, I got the message is from Afterburner. And this is where it, it begins to like rankle a little more. This is one of my least favorite ZZ Top albums. And I'm not a fan of Recycler album very, uh, either very much, but Afterburner is just like a weak T version of a eliminator it's uh it's just more synthy and more analog and more processed and overproduced and it and it really feels like a like a cynical oh eliminator worked amazing let's let's do it again kind of thing and and it did amazing too i mean zz top did really really well with this uh with this direction um they would eventually change, and, and really some of my favorite ZZ Top albums, uh, as you may know, are the likes of Rhythmine and Mescalero. I I love those two records in particular as much as the early stuff. Um, and I love Antenna as well. Um, but uh, basically, uh, 
you know, th- this this era is uh, is you know one of the kinds of examples of these bands doing this. So these southern rock bands, it's almost like um, you know we notice it more because they go from the most traditional sounding music you c- you can get, which is you know the 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 stuff derived from early rock and roll and the blues, um, and very analog. Uh, you know, including piano and female that backing vocals and uh, and acoustic guitar and slide guitar and all that stuff. So so everything about Southern Rock is, uh, you know, supposed to be, quote unquote, very traditional. Uh, and yet here we go, you know, very, very the other way. Uh, ZZ Top basically bringing in all all the uh, all the new technologies and doing amazing at it and and not doing a bad job of it, frankly. I mean, um, you know, we we like these records. Um you know, most people like these records. They're they're fun, uh, and I think the saving grace behind them is um, there is lots of guitar. And you know, Billy and and Frank both have you know a fairly rambunctious, energetic, extreme vocal. The lyrics are funny, like I say. Everything's pretty up tempo. Um, you know, they're they're not they're they don't turn into a big ballad band, and it's not crazy, crazy, crazy poppy. Um, there's just some neat experimenting going on, and like I say, lots and lots of. Uh, of you know frankly power recorded heavy metal guitar work i mean they, this this band you know they always like scratch their head and said oh i can't believe we're considered a heavy metal band but really you know eliminator did awesome uh, during the new wave of british heavy metal people loved it um because it's a pretty heavy album uh that's the funny thing about it um okay so there's our number one selection here on history in five songs episode 71 southern rot um Take a listen to this one. This is our number two selection. This is 38 Special with Back Where You Belong. I heard you asking how I'm feeling. I guess I'll play it day by day. I'm still around now. My heart is healing. But something's never gonna change. Cause now I know. Okay, so 38 Special is a, is a funny uh, situation, totally different from this Easy Top situation. Um, you know, this is a band, um, they essentially had two very wrote Southern Rock albums, 1977, 38 Special, 1978, Special Delivery. Um, but then there's this break. Um, well, not not really a break, but, but, a, but a, a switch over to... Um, to this idea, like they they always were, they always were a, a kind of band that that you knew wasn't going to be one of the heavier southern rock bands. But they kind of discover um, this midwestern Sammy Hager, John Cougar Mellencamp, maybe a little Billy Squire, um, hard pop so- sound, almost like almost like a heavy Huey Lewis in a way, definitely Brian Adams uh, at the heavy end. So so. You know, they kind of fall into this idea of um, let's be the southern rock band that writes poppy radio hits, but not egregiously synthy or anything like that. Just just like we're going to be that that mid-tempo, uh, relaxed, polite, hooky, um, hit, hit southern rock music. And it worked famously for them. Uh, basically, 1979's Rockin' Into the Night uh, did well, but en route to Wild-Eyed Southern Boys, 1981, which goes platinum. 1982, Special Forces, platinum. Um, 1984, Tour de Force, um, 
which is uh, what this song is off of. This was this was a hit, Back Where You Belong. Um, but also in 1984, they have a hit with Teacher Teacher from the Teacher's soundtrack written by Brian Adams and Jim Valance. So that, so that basically tells you kind of where they're going. And all these records are are basically like this you know there's there's a few things that sound more southern rock and then there's a lot of this poppy stuff with the really kind of muted uh guitar thing going on with with a lot of dynamic you know big kind of stadium rock courses and everything so they do great with this um and yeah so this is in the blood of um the these writers um essentially the classic lineup of this band is uh from 77 to 86 we had don barnes lead vocals guitar Donnie Van Zant, uh, lead vocals, guitar. Now this is you know Donnie related to uh, to Ronnie and and to uh, Johnny, who we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, Steve Brookins on drums, Jeff Carlisi's, he's an important part of this whole thing. Guitar, Jack Grondon drums. Uh, and, yeah, I guess uh, yeah. Do they have two drummers all the time? I'm I'm not sure how that worked. Uh, Larry Jun- Junstrom on bass. Um, so so yeah, the, these records were. Um, were basically really big records and and they're just the kind of kind of like road tunes that you would hear on on the radio all the time. So they're so they're the band that went from kind of like a an analog Hydra-esque uh, Leonard Skinner-esque southern rock on those on those first couple of albums into this into this one where they are basically the Brian Adams of southern rock. There you go. Um okay, so uh yeah, Let's take a break, but let's uh, let's hear this a uh, message from our sponsors. Okay, so pain and beauty, rebellion and unity, noise and harmony. Celebrate the history of music with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2020 inductions honoring Depeche Mode, the Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Nine Inch Nails, the Notorious B.I.G. and T-Rex. Streaming November 7th on HBO Max. Head to pantheonpodcast.com slash survey to fill out a very brief survey to be entered to win one of 30 of the limited edition HBO Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony posters or one of 30 Doobie Brothers live from the Beacon Theater Blu-ray sets. All right, so moving on on our History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 71, Southern Rot. Uh, Take a listen to this. This is Van Zandt with Heart to the Flame. All right, so I wanted to pick this one because uh, it's a it's a complicated situation, but it but it, it really speaks to our whole uh, narrative, our theme here. Um, I I picked this one. Okay, so so one reason is um, you know I really love the first two Rossington Collins bands albums. Um, this is this is the you know one of the post Leonard Skinner situations after the tragic uh, plane crash. Um, but so so they make these two great unheralded southern rock albums and then they make an album 
where they just call the band Rossington, Return to the Scene of the Crime, right? 1986, I believe it is. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is the way, 1982, amazing record. So Van Zant's kind of the same situation. Uh, Johnny has the Johnny Van Zant band, and they do a couple albums. And then then the the name gets shortened, and they make this this purple, really modern, garish-looking album cover. And the name of the band all of a sudden is Van Zant. Um, and uh, yeah, very, very egregious if, if you listen to, uh, you know, the whole, the whole of this record. It's very poppy, very synthesizery. I guess, I guess Johnny really in his blood, being one of the younger guys as well, he, in his blood he has, uh, he has the pop hooks of Donnie um, more than anything. But as you know, uh, you know, as we move on, he becomes uh, the lead singer of Leonard Skinner and does an amazing job. And Leonard Skinner gets quite heavy, and I love all those those last Leonard Skinner albums. So he uh, he does a lot of amazing work along the way. And actually, after this, he's got an album called Brickyard Road, which does another commercial thing that these southern rock bands do sometimes. Um, but so so it's more of like the big production hair metal album in a way, um, and he has quite a quite a good hit with the with the song Brickyard Road off of that. So that's 1990. But yeah, the first ones are No More Dirty Deals as the Johnny Van Zant Band 81. Round two um, is in or that's 1980. Round two is in 81. Last of the Wild Ones 82, and this Van Zant record is 85. But as you can tell, I mean this is. This is so egregiously poppy that you just you don't even really you know think of the look of that guy because he looks so southern rock right. But this record is full of um, lots and lots of cover tunes. I mean, basically on on a lot of his stuff, he had a lot of outside writers, and that's obviously one of the big no nos. The the egregious crimes of of when these bands are doing this sort of thing. You think of Aerosmith and Cheap Trick and Heart and all those song doctors, right? Um, so so yeah, southern southern rockers will tick all those boxes. They they. They almost basically everything everything you can do wrong in this uh, in this you know flagrantly shameless sellout radio rock direction the southern rock guys will do 50% more than uh, basically any other genre of music so i guess that's the whole theme of this um, of this episode all right so let's move on um, here's our number 4 selection this is blackfoot with young girl All right, so Blackfoot, uh, one of my favorite Southern rock bands of all time, uh, because uh, no surprise, um, they are probably the heaviest Southern rock band of all time. Um, their their first couple of albums on Antilles are very underrated. Uh, then they did Strikes, which is you know that's kind of the big hit one, and I'm not crazy about it because I don't want to hear Wishing Well ever again uh, on any record. I love 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 Tom Catton. I love Marauder, um, but here's an interesting situation. So. What what I find funny about Blackfoot's um, egregious commercialism is I love the very first time they did this, which is Siogo, 1983. Oddly, Ken Hensley from Your Eye Heap comes into the band. Now, he's he's only in the band on two records. Um, so they make this record called Siogo, which I think is 
awesome. It just, it's pretty heavy. It's quite commercial. It's keyboardy. It's not very Southern rock of melody or tone. Um, it's got hearts grown cold on it, like a cover. Um, it's, it's got some, some big poppy stadium rock courses, but it just rocks. It slams the, the rhythm section, uh, you know, Jackson and Greg and, and, uh, I mean, every, everything's just, everything's just, um, it, it has purpose. It almost has, uh, has uh, enthusiasm and purpose. And for some reason, they just do it right. They, they sell out right. And Siogo is way up there in terms of one of my favorite um, Blackfoot albums. I'd, I've been doing these top 20 lists. They're 99 cent ebooks at Zunior.com. And, uh, and I did one for Blackfoot. Um, so top 20 Blackfoot songs. And it's full of songs from Siogo. I love it. But the song I just played you is Young Girl from Vertical Smiles, 1984. And this is where the wheels absolutely fall off the cart. Horrible, horrible, horrible album. Uh, it's got a cover of Morning Dew on it. Never need to hear that again. Living in the City, uh, or no, Living in the Limelight by um, Peter Cetera. Uh, so it, it actually kicks off with two covers. I mean, it's just brutal. Horrible, horrible drum sound. I mean, just so non-Jackson. God love him. You know, he's he uh, he died. Uh, suddenly, um, when was it? 2005, 2012, something like that. Um, but Jackson, uh, the band's drummer, amazing drummer, and actually one of the key writers of all the early material, which is pretty interesting. But horrible drum sound on this. The production is just awful throughout. There's synths. There's it's just there's a stiffness to it. And and basically, Vertical Smiles is a horrible record. Pretty much nobody likes it. Uh, and then after that, the wheels keep falling off. Um, there there's a record called Rick Medlock and Blackfoot, uh, with with just Ricky on the cover, and uh, and a whole different band. I mean, basically, the band's blown up, and it's it's just the same thing all over again. Just another very very commercial uh, album. And then Blackfoot never never returns. There's R- Ricky kind of has the name. It gets really really comical and tragic. I mean. He does some pretty neat albums. Uh, I think one was called Medicine Man. There's After the Rain. Um, and then what he does eventually is um, the craziest, craziest thing. He basically hires a boy band to be Blackfoot, and they put out a record. Um, so, yeah, just just a, kind of a whole ridiculous situation that goes on. But um, what a great, great catalog. Check out Marauder for, for like, heavy, you know, not, you know, Basically, analog, great old 70s, heavy metal, hard rock, even though it's an 81 album on that one. But Marauder and Tom Catton with Fox Chase, right? Um, that great uh, harmonica intro. Uh, so the three that everybody basically loves. And they and they got a platinum album with Strikes, which is pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, the 79, the 80, the 81, we got Strikes, Tom Catton, Marauder, awesome, awesome records. Or, or 82 for Marauder, I can't remember. Um, but uh, but those three in a row, that tr- that trinity, that trilogy, and then the first two are actually really cool too. Um, Flying high and uh, no reservations. Um, and so so those are there's a break in there. Um, but those are those are the kind of rare ones. But they're good too. Um, a lot of lot of heaviness, a lot of riffing, um, kind of a little frantic. Jackson plays a little busy on them, but really really good albums. But um, yeah, basically Blackfoot um, did did the no-no as uh, as bad as basically anybody, and that's why I've got them uh, intensely up in our number four slot <laughs> of our of our five bands uh, who uh, exhibited a degree of Southern rot. Uh, 
Okay, so here's our last one. Um, take a listen to this and we shall discuss. This is Molly Hatchet with Backstabber. All right, so Molly Hatchet is the band that that comes to mind. Uh, you know, all Southern rock aficionados uh, when they when they complain um, and grouse about this topic of of Southern rock bands selling out. Molly Hatchet is is the absolute worst. I mean, it's it's amazing that you can get worse than Blackfoot, but you can. Um, you know, so this is a band that. Um, that basically were like a like a post a second generation after Leonard Skinner sort of band. They sounded like Skinner. They kind of checked off a lot of the boxes. Uh, produced by Tom Worman originally. The Molly Hatchet album did well. I've got I've got a couple notes here. Yeah, the Molly Hatchet album seventy eight went platinum. Seventy uh, nines uh, flirting with disaster went double platinum, and um, beating the odds went platinum. So so this was a pretty big band and apparently an amazing band live. I never saw them live. Blackfoot as well, amazing live. I did see them, um, but um, essentially uh, this is a band that was, you know, they, they weren't. Here's the thing: they weren't my favorite. This is a hap, This is the worst story and the best story at the same time, and I'll explain why. But so in the in the early days, um, I consider that early stuff a little bit overrated. I always get heck for saying that, but when I play those records, I'm not a big fan of those records. Um, I just I I'm not crazy about the production. I think there's there's a stiffness to the rhythm section. They're not that heavy. Um, so so. When I go back and play those albums that are apparently quote unquote classics, I find them a little bit um, not great. I think I think they're a good a candidate for album cover fakeouts in that the album covers are way better than than the music in clothes. But so what happens is this song is from um, 1984's "The Deed Is Done." We go through uh, the likes of "Take No Prisoners," "No Guts, No Glory," '81, '83, up to this record. Um, then "Lightning Strikes." There's a five year break in there. But as you can tell from this, um, you know again horrible horrible synthesizer sounds no relation to the early molly hatchet very very stiff production values just stupid kind of misogynist lyric not not great lyrics but you know uh proto or pre-hair metal whoa 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 you know stadium rock choruses oh let's stick this in here everything about this whole thing is completely completely uh cynical we're just trying to get a hit we don't care about the uh, tradition of southern rock we don't care about the tradition of molly hatchet we're just going to try this uh this ridiculous direction and and see if we can have a hit with it you know they still look like molly hatchet there's still this army of uh long-haired bearded you know rough looking dudes from the south it's it's really kind of cool um you know the whole look of it and even the album covers still look really cool but so but what happens with this band which is kind of interesting is um 
you know, they have a lot of lineup changes over the time. And like, and like Skinner, you know, this is a really tragic situation with all these guys like dying off recently, um, or, or earlier. Um, you know, we've lost practically all the, all the main members of Molly Hatchet over the years. But, um, what happens is it becomes Bobby Ingram's band. He's a guitarist and he comes into the band in, uh, lightning strikes twice and things are not greatly improved by that point. But the reason I consider this, um, the happiest story on this list because let's see uh, Blackfoot doesn't end happily uh, ZZ Top ends very happy I mean I'm, I love what ZZ Top sounds like now and basically all through that time and that's why they're one of my favorite bands because basically there's there's no ZZ Top stuff I um I don't like at least a fair bit even Afterburner and Recycler uh, for that matter um but um but yeah, I love, love, love their latest material, and uh, and of course I love the early material. Not so much the first two albums, but everything from Trey's Ombres on. 38 Special, I was never a huge fan uh, of that band. Um, Van Zant, well, you know, that's a happy situation because basically, you know, he's the leader of Leonard Skinner, and I like all that material Leonard Skinner's been making in recent years. Blackfoot, like we say, has blown up completely, but so, okay, so Molly Hatchet. The reason I put them last and I wanted to end on a happy note is that after this horrible, horrible period of this Molly Hatchet music that everybody complains about, um, this super commercial stuff, they come back uh, with Bobby leading the charge and they make some really good heavy rockin' um, southern rock albums that basically they're... they're, they're um, carrying the torch of the hard, hard, and heavy Southern rock. They're almost like a cross between Blackfoot and Leonard Skinner over these, over these later albums. So you've got Devil's Canyon, Silent Reign of Heroes, Kingdom of Twelve, um, Warriors of the Rainbow Bridge, uh, what else, Justice. I'm not sure. One or two of these, yeah, Southern, yeah, the Masters thing, and the regrinding the axes. Some of these are not you know, bonafide normal studio albums. I think they did a Christmas album as well, but but Justice from 2010. Wow, what a rock and rock and album. You know, great production, super heavy, you know, doubled and tripled guitars. Um, you know, uh, great singing. Phil McCormick was the singer later on, and God love him, what a great guy, and he died. Um, but uh, what a great voice. He had a very Danny, Danny Joe Brown, Jimmy Farrar kind of voice to him, so he was perfect for this band. But essentially, um, you know, out of all the Southern rock bands that ever were from the early days or whatever, you know, we could go into this whole what is a, what is a modern Southern rock band thing. There's a lot of, you know... Uh, I, I even I even talked about you know Black Crows it, to a certain extent, Jackal to a certain extent. So you've got a Southern rock hair metal band, you've got a Southern rock general rock band in Black Crows, I, I suppose, right? Um, you know, and it and it does become a little silly because you know it becomes regional. Oh, where are you from, kind of thing, right? But out of all the bands. Um, operating i think molly hatchet is even better than leonard skinner because leonard skinner really sounds kind of um really safe and jingoistic and uh just very kind of like american tropes compared to molly hatchet i think i i think they're just a little less artistic and a little more processed uh manufactured in what they're doing both of these bands actually frankly sound a little processed and manufactured but molly hatchet uh just does i think a way better job of um of carrying that southern rock torch and being heavy and all that kind of stuff um so there you go um 
so there, there, there's our southern rot, right? Um, all this horrible stuff in the middle. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's some happy stuff at the end. I will stop babbling at this point. If you like this show, um, and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi rhymes with no fee at uh, Kofi.com/slash/MartinPopoff. Hit the red support button and uh, buy me a coffee or a pint of ale. Um, on that front, I want to thank. Augustine, Garcia, De Paredes, Melissa Nee, Dave Fisher, Kevin Latham, Jason Leonard, Blaze Barshaw, Jeremy French, Brian Sager, Jason Nittert, Adam Morris, and Black Sugar Transmission. So thank you very much for supporting the show. Uh, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your hard rock and heavy metal book needs. I just got this very stressful palette of books. Um, from the UK, so I've got the new Thin Lizzy, uh, a visual biography, and a bunch of reprints of like the uh, New Wave of British Heavy Metal trilogy, and I've got both Black Sabbath books again. Um, but yeah, the Thin Lizzy's the big one there. I got the Alice Cooper again. That's another one. That's right. Um, and yeah, I've got I've got the Van Halen. Obviously, tragically, we lost Eddie, but my Van Halen book was in reprint mode, so uh, Unchained, a Van Halen user manual. Um, I can supply all three of the Iron Maidens at this point only the first of the Judas Priest uh, there's no more Turbo there's no more except uh, what else there's a few that there are no more of um, but uh, but yeah there you go uh, martinpopoff.com for that um, until next time uh, you know what uh, your assignment for today go play some of that uh, recent Molly Hatchet great stuff talk to you later Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.